this point, every information portal is saturated with mindfulness content. But this show is a unique, unusual, curious take on mindfulness. Some of what you hear will be completely new to you. Let's dive in and take a look at the nature of the aware mind. I invite you to deepen your awareness so that you may be liberated and inspired. Today we are here with Sarah Vallely, mindfulness teacher, coach, and author. Sarah has been teaching meditation and mindfulness for the past two decades, training and certifying others to teach mindfulness as well. Sarah is the author of four books. Her latest book is titled Tame, Soothe, Dwell, The 55 Teachings of ESD Mindfulness. Today on the podcast, we discuss how mindfulness can heal the world and can governments and other agencies implement mindfulness into their cultures. Thanks, Jacob. What we're going to be talking about today is can mindfulness save us from national crisis and global warfare? Question is not, is mindfulness the best movement for saving us from political crisis? There are other movements such as nonviolent communication, nonviolent resistance. Real question here is, can mindfulness save us from national crisis and global warfare? Is it a viable option? What saves us from political crisis? Individuals, movements, culture, religion. How does mindfulness fit in with some of these Are people in your life practicing mindfulness and are these people more compassionate? Are they making better decisions? Are they having a positive effect on those around them? Because I think this is how on an individual level we could affect change. Or what specific parts of mindfulness are uniquely able to have a, a positive impact in political and global issues? Mindfulness makes us more compassionate because we are learning how to have compassion for ourselves because sitting and practicing mindfulness is really hard. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, to yeah, say the least, yeah. Yeah, and we can't get through it unless we say to ourselves, you know, it's okay. We're, we're not less of a person because we can't concentrate in this moment. We have difficult emotions that come up. You know, it's okay that I'm having this difficult emotion. It doesn't make me any lesser of a person. And then what happens is it starts flowing out to other people. And then you continue to have compassion. We become less stressed out, which could also be interwoven with less fear the national problems, are they rooted in stress and fear? From what I can see, oh yeah, anything involving a nuclear weapon would definitely have the word fear written on it somewhere in there. Right. And all the reasons that we feel like we need to use that nuclear weapon. And of course, these fears are valid. I'm not going to be here and say, oh, we need to get to a place of peace and love and, you know, not be afraid of any of these things. But I think that the mindfulness can chip away a little bit that fear and that stress. If nothing else, it will help us communicate better because Mm -hmm. that communication piece and collaboration piece between different nations and different political entities is really important and will communicate better for we have less fear and less stress. Using mindfulness as a movement to address national crisis and global warfare only works if the movement's working. So I don't know. What do you think? Do you think the mindfulness movement is, is working? If it can just stop one person from doom scrolling the internet or arguing with another person online, getting angry at people that seemingly have different viewpoints from them, I imagine all that could only be a benefit to all of us. If you scale that up, I don't know why it couldn't have a positive impact. Yeah, I think it definitely could have a positive impact. Is the mindfulness movement working? 
we know we're not supposed to evaluate other people in their mindfulness. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, I think it's a little hard for us to look around and say, is it working? Are people becoming more mindful? We're really not supposed to evaluate our own level of mindfulness. You know, we're a beginner each time we come to the mat. I had lunch with a Baptist minister a couple months ago. We talked, he saw how mindfulness can bring us out of the grips of our culture. Cause that's something that churches are facing now for sure. More than ever is they're losing their congregation to the culture. They're getting distracted with other things besides their religion. And this preacher really saw how mindfulness is a tool for bringing yourself back in and looking at what's important. So the way that I have to process through this question of what would it look like to affect the culture of a city or a nation with mindfulness, I have to look at what are cities and nations already doing to affect a culture, giving out pamphlets for better or for worse. I think constructing monuments is a way that a government can affect a culture, creating parks that support us to exercise more, I think can change a culture on a exercise physiological level. I actually read that the Grand Canyon National Park has a park ranger teaching mindfulness. And there's actually a photo on the internet of this park ranger teaching mindfulness in his uniform. So I think that's really cool. Creating a holiday can be a way that a government can affect a culture. Uh, PSAs, you could learn a lot from a dummy. That was the PSA about wearing seatbelts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, remember that? I remember that. This is your brain on drugs. Oh, yeah. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. Another way that a government can change a culture at a city level is to aspire to be the national leader at something, to be the best, most vibrant art center in the state, for example. Um, And the other thing that can change a culture on a local, state, national level is signage. Have you seen these positive signs of love around Asheville? Yeah, I think it's one of the best things I've ever seen. You know, just in general, like, you know, I think that we're very fortunate to live where we live and to drive around a city where I just see a lot of people that are acknowledging that they need to spread positivity. And I've lived other places where I I don't think anybody felt like it was necessary to do that. And here I drive around and I'll see just a random little thing that'll say, you got this on the side of the road. And it's incredible how connected I feel to the community when I see that. Because everybody drives by and sees that. And I don't think anybody sees that and says, well, that's stupid. Why would anybody post that? That to me is bringing connection to people. Yeah, I think it works. I think that signage is definitely a way that government could affect the culture of a town, a city, a state. In this situation that we're talking about, these signs say we win with love or just simply love or peace or unity. And they're in these bright colors and they're on painted pieces of wood that are nailed to telephone poles and different places around town. And there's enough that we've all seen them. So this is not a government taking action and putting up signs, but this is a group of people that are deciding to do this. But I think it's working. Like, I think that it is having the effect on our culture here in Asheville. Everybody's seen them. Everybody knows them. And for me, when I drive by one of these signs, I feel a little warm, fuzzy in my heart because I feel like I really love where I live. What you were saying, Jacob, like, I just love living in a place where it's cool to put out signs about love and nobody tears them down and, yeah. and they're great. 
I got a text from a friend the other day that had a photo of a sign in Dayton, Ohio. The sign said mindfulness walks take five. And they have four of these signs in different areas in the city. And let me read to you what the sign says. Slowly breathe in one, two, three, and slowly breathe out one, two, three, close your eyes for a few seconds. So give some direction on how to practice mindfulness that says, this is a great activity to feel calm and peaceful. You can do this activity anytime in any place for a quick break. Whenever you feel overwhelmed, anxious, mad, or upset, remember to take five. Like, how awesome is that? That the city of Dayton has created these signs and posted them. And I looked it up in this mindfulness walks. There's a few different places that do this. This is also mentioned on the National Park Service webpage. Have you been to the meditation labyrinth in the River Arts District? No, I haven't. It gives you instructions similar to what you just read about mindfully walking through the labyrinth, but it's essentially like a little maze, but it's all on the ground. It's a path and it's not big. It's maybe the size of like a single bed apartment and you walk. And then if you get stuck, you turn around. And when you get to the middle, it has like a whole like list of things that you process and guided walking meditation, basically. Well, I think this is it. I think this is where we're at right now. I think this is how government cities are trying to do what we're talking about here, save us from national crisis and global warfare on a local level. So maybe saving themselves locally from local crisis and maybe local violence on this city level. I think this is happening. I think this is probably happening in several different cities across the U.S., creating these spaces with signs about mindfulness. If the U.S. government created some type of monument or some type of landmark dedicated to mindfulness, would that give U.S. citizens on some level more permission to take more time out of their day to simply be mindful? I read this thing a few years ago. I think it was maybe last year. I think Sweden was the happiest country in the world at least a few years in a row. And I think most recently they are still considered to be the happiest country in the world. It basically said the general consensus is why they're so happy is it feels like my neighbor cares for me and looks out for me. And it feels like my government cares about me and looks after me. That's loving kindness straight up and understand that we're in this and connected within this and that you affect me, I affect you. Every time I do that, it always gets better. To me, anything that draws attention to the fact that we are experiencing this together, we share this consciousness and experience. Oh yeah, there's this multi-century old practice that's been around that helps one to realize these things. So any draw towards that to point people in the direction of this proven system, I don't know how it couldn't just flip our brains. If you read a lot of what the founding fathers said, there's a lot of things about unity and sharedness. And yet when I was in school, all that fell through. It just never stuck to me. To me, it seemed like that was in a a time and place when they had it figured out, but now it's different. And I don't think it was. I think they were setting an example. I'm from Kentucky and on the Kentucky flag, it says united we stand, divided we fall. And I always took that to heart growing up. I really did. And I always got nervous when I could feel the culture pulling apart. And to me, it was always like, y'all, look at that sign over there. That's it. That's what we need to do. And then when I started meditating and things, I was like, oh, this is what that is. I have to examine myself and be aware of moments that I am going against others. 
And that's what the, the other part of the practice is. That's the internal part of the practice pointed towards me that I examine myself. And so to me, it, 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 there's these little tidbits about it, but I just wish that we could have these big blanket sayings and things that like, go do this right now. <laughs> Cause that's what all this other stuff is saying. You know, it's all drawing towards that. We don't have any data on the results of mindfulness on a city, national, global level. But we do have data on a school level. Mindful schools have been around for several years. The school will hire mindful schools and mindful schools will go in, train the teachers, train the staff. Teachers will train the students. They will have dedicated mindfulness practice sessions at these schools that become mindful schools. And they have tracked the data. Truancy rates dropped, suspension rates dropped, and fighting rates dropped. It actually, the data shows that it affects schools on more of a social emotional level than on an academic level. It does affect schools on an academic level, but it's more the social emotional impact, such as less fighting. And that's why school counselors love mindfulness. Could mindful schools be a prototype for the world? Could we look at what mindful schools is doing within inner city schools and speculate how that might affect our culture, our citizens on more of a local, state, and global level? They attribute those drops in fighting at those schools to the students becoming more mindful of their thoughts and their actions. If a culture is defined as shared everyday habits, then the way that you change the culture is by changing the habits. I read this in a Forbes article, The Fastest Way to Change a Culture. 18% of people feel they can change. (laughs) So so that's something. (laughs) Yeah. So if the way we change a culture is to have people change, only 18% of people feel like they can change, then that's a challenge. There's a book, Mindset by Carol Dweck. It talks about growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. Literally comes down to you either think you can get better or you don't. That's really the whole book. But there's just case study after case study after case study. It literally changed my life. That book, I mean, it was hugely responsible for me growing and developing as a person because I believed I could. So yeah, I think that should be mandatory reading for all people. It's it's incredible. The other statistic they had in there is that 37% of change initiatives succeed. I think these are more on a corporate level. So 37%. So that's not too bad. Insight is one of the biggest catalysts for change in an individual. So that would be you're sitting there in a professional development session and you just make a connection that's like an aha moment. And they said that the best way to facilitate people to have insights is to use anecdotal stories, which is so interesting because if you think back to a lot of the religions and how religion has been passed through stories. And so those stories have been creating people to have insights and inspiring all these thousands of years. That's how this all passes, right? You have a teacher, but the teacher is really just a rememberer of the the lessons of his teacher. And then it just keeps going. So in a way, I'm just a receiver of stories. 
I have consulted with schools on implementing mindfulness programs within their schools. And so that's either on a classroom level or on a grade level or a school-wide level. And so some of the things that schools use to implement these programs are signs, posting signs of mindfulness bells or mindfulness quotes, and of course, educating the students. Um, Repetition of concepts is really important, especially vocabulary, teaching the children the vocabulary to use to talk about mindfulness because that's when the culture really starts changing is when the people in the school in the culture are talking about mindfulness with each other. What about creating an organization that consults with local governments, cities, towns, and makes them mindful cities, mindful towns? We could call the organization Mindful Cities. We go in there and train government officials, train corporate leaders, train social workers. We work with the Parks and Recreation Department to create mindful spaces with this signage where the citizens can take a mindful break. I'm sure there's grant money out there somewhere for something like this. Who out there today is in a position who could start something like this? I volunteer to be on your board of directors. Getting back to the original question, can mindfulness save us from national crisis and global warfare? I think that it's possible that we can affect a culture. And so I think that we could have people learn mindfulness on this level. I think it would work because of what we talked about, about people becoming more compassionate, having less stress and fear so they can communicate better and collaborate better. But I also think there's probably a lot of other movements that could have similar positive effects on national crisis and global warfare. The Aware Mind Podcast is a TSD Mindfulness production. Please visit our website at tsdmind.org. That is T as in tame, S as in soothe, and D as in dwell. Mind as in mindfulness.org. Check out our blog post for this episode with links to supplemental information such as worksheets you can use to put into practice the mindfulness skills shared in this episode. Also, please sign up for our newsletter and receive mindfulness tips. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at aware underscore mind underscore podcast. Thank you.